Hey guys, it's Keith. And this is Jesse. And this is New Player Has Joined. A podcast about the video games people love and why they love them. And today... What are we doing, Keith? We're running from our past? We're, we're always out. doing that. Are we not always doing that? <laughs> Isn't everyone always doing that all the time? But in terms of the game we're talking about. No, no, about. no. Let's not make this about video <laughs> games. If I know something about our show, it's not about video That's games. That's fair. But today, we're hiding in the forest. I really thought you were going to say, today we are running from our past. <laughs> I should have. Guys, today we're joined uh, by the hilarious Jesse Thorne, the creator of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Uh, and the host of a few great podcasts himself to talk about one of our favorite games and one of the best indie games of the last few years, Firewatch. Yeah, our favorite. Our. Our favorite. favorite. Not yours. If Not, you no. like this, no. no you don't you like don't, it as you don't much as it. us. You, you don't, don't even get, get it. it. You don't even get the game. Jeez you Louise. don't understand You don't understand us or anything. But this game is fantastic. Jesse was a great guest, and we had a lot of fun. It confuses me every single time you say his name, because it's also my name, and I'm not used to other people having my name. I also talk like that around you all the time. That's true. You, you talk about me like I'm not there. Yeah, it's great. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> You're there. I see you. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to jump right in? Let's do it. Let's do it, guys. This is New Players Join. I've been playing Fallout 4. Yeah. Ooh, okay. And I've I've literally played it. I've played it for five days. Mm-hmm. Like Just like cumulative. Cu- yeah. Five <laughs> hundred and twenty hours. Yep. And yep. what's crazy is like I kind of don't like it. <laughs> like I like this, it, but I kind of don't. Th- we're all I think on the same boat on this. Yes. Uh, I like parts of it, and there are parts of it that I admit are enormously flawed and boring and repetitive. How many times have you approached uh, with Preston to find out that another settlement needs your help, and you're like, God damn, I hate this so much. I somehow, I think because of a flaw in the game, I somehow lost that whole storyline. Really? Yeah, so I don't I don't know what the, like... <laughs> what are you currently doing? I have, I mean, I, I think I won the game. Did you blow up the Institute, or did the Institute <laughs> take over? That's the also Institute just... took over, so I was trying to... So you helped not the Institute. Be friend- I was trying to not be... No, because the <laughs> Underground, or whatever it's called, the... told me, keep helping the Institute, and then eventually we'll give you instructions yeah. on how to blow... And they never did. <laughs> And it got to the point where I was just like walking around in circles waiting for them to give me the order because oh my, my next institute order was, my order from the underground was get in with the institute or whatever, help yeah. the institute. But my order from the institute was Destroy kill, the, the railroad. kill the woman. Yeah, Desdemona. Yeah, kill there, her. There's a, there was a glitch in Fallout 4 for like a year. Which made it unplayable. Where you, where everybody wanted to go with the railroad, right? Because yeah, cause it's fun and yeah. it seems righteous. Exactly. Minutemen was a little bit too goody-goody. Uh, the Brotherhood were like of Steel were basically Nazis. Yeah. The Institute was just evil and kind of just all around gross and racist. And yeah. then the railroad was like, this is great. This feels like the the, the correct. Guys. Yeah, this feels like the good guys, the right way to go. And then there was just a glitch where you could follow that uh, that plot all the way to the end. And then they wouldn't let you do anything. They're just like, you can't finish the storyline. I think that's what happened to me. Yeah. And so you just had to go and do something else. No, I mean, like, I think that literally happened to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It happened to my brother. It happened to, <laughs> happened to me. It happened to a lot of people. <laughs> okay. And so, what makes you keep playing? Yeah. <laughs> but I. But the thing is, is I don't know what happened with the uh, with the tri corner hat guys. <laughs> they just stopped giving me stuff to do. What was uh, I yeah, like? The went Minutemen. to their town that they all live in. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, why don't I have a storyline for this? Yeah. Like, to pursue, and I like talked to everybody trying to get somebody to give me a job to do after no, I because I built the like. Uh, uh, oh the, yeah, you built the, the, the teleporter the thing that teleports you into the institute yeah. or whatever. I did that, mm-hmm. but then after that, I never got another thing from them. That is so weird. That yeah. whole time I was playing, I was like, "This looks beautiful. I love the world of it. I love that they're trying to create." Let's and do it- our. Let's do the show. We're, let's go. I let's mean, this is, this, show, is oh. this is the show. This is the show. Hey, guys, welcome to New Players. Join a podcast about vegans people love and why they love them. That was nice. We tricked you. We were already doing <laughs> the intro banter to the show, and oh, you didn't even no. know. Oh, no. But you were doing great. <laughs> was I okay? You were doing terrific. People worry too much about us. <laughs> Our fans are way more accepting. Uh, guys, we've got a special episode today. We're in a special location with a special guest. Uh, you know him as the founder of Maximum Fun, the podcast network that we are currently at it's right fantastic. now. It's great. It's very welcoming. Room. So thank you for having us. Uh, you know him from uh, as being the host of Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. There's his name right there. And one of the guests of Jordan Jesse Go. Uh, he's hilarious. He's insightful. He's wonderful. And we're so happy to be here. Please welcome Jesse Thorne. Jesse. And Jesse, please welcome us to oh, your studio. Thank you. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome, to my, welcome to my studio. Thank you so, so much for having us, man. So grateful to be a guest on a show and still get to <laughs> yeah, sit yeah. in my special chair. <laughs> and Jesse, what game are we talking about today? Uh, we are going to talk about Firewatch. That is correct. I am so proud that I remembered the name of it because I always <laughs> call it the wrong name in my head. What, what do you call it? Yeah. Mm, well, uh, Overwatch, which is a yep. much more popular video game, <laughs> yep. right? Overwatch oh, is man, the way more popular. Overwatch is so sensitive and serious. Like, like, what no. are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. The beginning. <laughs> I love, I love the the narrative behind Overwatch and all of the sensitive information it covers. How it makes you deal with your own sense of loss and morality. Yeah, but I'll call it inside my head. Fire Town or <laughs> Tower Man. <laughs> Tower Man is very fun. Yeah. So I usually just think of it as Rich Summer, the game. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You're you're totally correct. Now, Firewatch is a game that we bring up probably like every other episode because we recommend it to everybody who are just trying to find like a good emotional experience in a game. That's not necessarily like a first-person shooter or anything like that. Like this game, I really attached myself to. Yeah, Firewatch is a first-person exploratory game uh, that deals with uh, a man who has gone out to be a a Firewatch ranger out in... uh, the middle of nowhere after his wife becomes very ill and he's just kind of running from his existence yeah it's deep it's painful it's very real yeah how was the first 10 minutes of this game for you the first 10 minutes of this game where it's like a choose your own adventure yeah. Yeah. story um i was a little i was like uh, where's this? Where's this gonna be something? Yeah, that was my perspective. I was like, eh, <laughs> this is. Uh, I get it. You know. Yeah. All right. He's an alcoholic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. 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 I mean, like for me, I think. Look, I had always, I had always had the thought, like, yeah, of course, video games can be art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most video games don't aspire to that. No, they don't. And previously, you know, I had dallied with a few that did and didn't find them super compelling mm-hmm. um, as, like, art experiences. What uh, what games would you I say those were? I don't know. You know, whatever. <laughs> a, a, a heavy rain, a gone yeah, home, some, or what have like you. That. Somebody yeah, yeah. tells you one of those things, you know. And then 
I also had had the experience that like the most, the big games, is that called AAA games? Yeah, AAA yeah. titles. The yeah. AAA titles that uh, aspired to art the most, like the most narrative mm-hmm. ones that I had played, I had genuinely hated the yeah. narrative. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I I had I had played like. L.A. Noir, yeah, and like, uh, uh, I mean, we were just talking about Fallout, which yep. is the most emotionally incoherent. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like, a nothingness. And game the, and and I level. always just thought like, l- let the game be a game. Yeah, like, yeah. Games and narrative are not necessarily the same thing. No. So just let the game be the game. Like yeah. you wouldn't say like, what's the story of Pinnacle? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Pinnacle's fun if yeah. you're into Pinnacle, you know? <laughs> um, and so I had always, and you know, I I, I had, had, you know, people, oh, what about Red Dead Redemption, you right. know? And I'm like, I, I had Red Dead Redemption. I enjoyed playing it. Yeah. But I don't remember anything about what the narrative of Red okay. Dead Redemption was. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I had to learn how to ride a horse. I yeah. remember that. Yeah. But like, it, it had no emotional connection for me. Right. Maybe be- largely because the mechanics of those big games are murder based yeah <laughs> and like at a certain point you know the, in playing fallout for example like one of the things that i struggled with with fallout even though i did spend literally five days playing it five continuous <laughs> hours, 130 hours or something not cumulative it, just straight, straight on. through yeah is that and now if anything if i say anything crazy it's because <laughs> we're at the end of that five no but like i I like I was like the central problem of trying to build an emotional narrative into this game is you have a game that's fun, for me was really fun like mm-hmm. I enjoyed going into the thing and shooting the mutants and all yeah. this different stuff yeah. right like I liked the thing and I'm I'm not that good at first person shootering yeah. right. I just don't have the hand eye coordination yeah, gotcha. so I liked that it's a little lighter on that yep. right like you can you can still play it and have fun in real time yeah. without being super good at aiming right. with a controller because you've got the VAT system the yeah there's also so many different ways to play the game yeah. not just stuck on one yeah thing. so yeah. I'm thinking this is the, the mechanics like the the gameplay is was genuinely fun to me. Yeah, like yeah. I was enjoying fighting different guys and getting different secrets and powers and guns. All that stuff was fun. But like, there's this overarching emotional narrative about your wife having uh, your wife having been murdered and so on yeah. and so forth, and you're trying to build a new world. Mm-hmm. And it's fundamentally constrained by the fact that the only game mechanic is murder. <laughs> murder. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I must if, avenge my wife by yeah. killing all of these people. It's like, a, it's a beautiful ocean that has no depth. Like yeah, it like, looks great, but there's nothing to it. Well, every oh, every conflict has to be resolved by murder right yeah. so like the only choice you're making is who to murder yeah <laughs> and so like if you're there thinking like i would prefer to reconcile yeah here that's not one of the choices because right. the only thing that you can do in the game the game is how do you fastest murder yeah i, I fastest would fastest slash most i would uh i would label it as a choose your own murder game yeah i think yeah. that's very fair and so you know video games have this promise mm-hmm. this sort of theoretical promise yeah which is because you are in a way the author of the narrative mm-hmm. you as the player are the author of the narrative mm-hmm. that it can be a dramatically different experience than simply being the viewer of a narrative authored by exactly. someone else yeah exactly but 
generally speaking, I had always preferred just playing Tetris <laughs> or, or SimCity yeah. or whatever, the fu- a game that has a fun game yeah. the, where the game is what's cool about it. Right. And the fact that all video games now seem to rely on long cutscenes mm-hmm. that all look like the movie Aeon Flux. Yes. Like they all look like a uh, computer animated movie from the time before those were something you should do. First and last reference to Aeon Flux you'll ever hear on this podcast. <laughs> but like, you know, like they all, they, they, they have no, like they're, the graphics of the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. It's incapable of generating empathy. Right. Because they are creepy automata. <laughs> yeah. Like, even in the most sophisticated, amazingly sophisticated graphics, they go to this long cutscene, and you're like, look at that creepy face. The whole time you're just like, oh, what a creepy face. Especially in a game like L.A. Noir, like you were saying, that uh, is something that's, yeah. Oh, in L.A. Noir. You're supposed to read the emotions of these so emotionless bad. robots. <laughs> That's so the bad. premise of the game. Like, you, I love driving around old-timey Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. It's really cool. If they made one of those for San Francisco, where I grew up, I'd buy it in a second. And yeah. I'd just drive around old-timey San Francisco. Yeah. But, the, but like, the, the game mechanic of that one was you're supposed to read the emotions of... Weird, of creepy weird robots. faces well, that are messed up. Well, that's what's so crazy about Firewatch. Does such a good job at it, where it's like, here's ten minutes. Let's describe a story of what's really happened. Here's the backstory. We aren't even actually to the game yet. We're yeah. just showing you what this character we're, has we're, and what's important to it. We're literally just giving you the like the prequel to this, and then you're going to actually play the game. Yeah. So for people who haven't played it, also spoiler alerts. Please go play this game because we're going to spoil a lot of we're it. Gonna for you. We're going to spoil every game we're ever talking. It's how Guys, you talk about a game. I'm not going to spoil it. Don't remember how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a game where you play as a lead character who he shows you how you meet your wife and how everything happens. Right. Go ahead. You, you get a little a little preamble about falling in love. Yeah, like who you are as a person. You get to choose what you want to say to this person, who and, you are. And this preamble is entirely text. It's yeah, like white, yes. white text on a black screen. Just yep. nice music playing. And it's, yeah. and it's intercut with your character uh, hiking through the woods at sunset. And although the, the graphic's not trying to be realistic, I found very beautiful. They're kind of like, um, like Team Fortress is yeah. what you compared it to. Bright. A little bit cartoonish, but really engrossing to me. And the music I found really, really gorgeous. You don't see people. You don't. You don't see people. And what this game was, we bring it up, it's a lot like Up. The first 10 minutes is like, let's show you a life of a person. Exactly. And then what you find out is that your wife has dementia and right. Alzheimer's. And then so she's starting to forget who you are. And then this guy's like, I'm going to go in the woods and be on Firewatch and like regain myself and yeah. find who I am. After after a long little intro to your character of finding out how in love with this woman he is, all the cute and weird things and little idiosyncrasies they had together, this wonderful relationship is built up and then immediately torn down in front of your eyes as you realize that the character you are playing as has more or less abandoned the woman he loves because he can't deal with the fact that she struggles with dementia and doesn't remember him anymore. That's how the game starts. starts. Like before you do anything. Yeah. And for, uh, like you were saying, in, a, in an industry that is uh, more or less monopolized by murder is the key mechanic. Cookie cutter. What's worked before is just do it again, yeah. slap something else in front of it. We are now introducing the starting point of this game is you have to deal with the choices behind your own morality. And it just hit me in the gut. And it's choices that you've made. I mean, one of yeah. the remarkable things to me about this game, and I would love to talk about like aesthetics and stuff mm-hmm. later, because I was I, I was like biting my tongue as you guys alluded to this. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. <laughs> but one of the remarkable things about this game is that 
you know, ultimately, the the challenge of building narrative in a game, I think, is that we simply do not have the technology. We do not have the horsepower on a uh, the horsepower on a game box or the, <laughs> the manpower typing lines of code to give people to to build a game that organically responds to narrative and yeah. still generates compelling narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz that's it's it's incredibly difficult to generate a linear yeah. compelling narrative. But um, to have a reactionary one is almost impossible. Exactly. And so I I think generally the way games deal with this is maybe they have a few primary branches of yes, narrative, exactly. you know, like as in Fallout, right? Yeah. You pick a team and you murder all the other teams. <laughs> <laughs> You've just described football. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but, uh, you know, those those storylines tend to be kind of on rails, yes, right? Like absolutely. And so the... The challenge for creating an immersive narrative is if the technology limits you to more or less having the narrative be on rails. Like yeah. you can have a few tree branches, but ultimately you, you know, if there's going to be a story, you have to write it and you can only write so many. You can only have the manpower to write and generate the code for right. so many stories. You should sit down with Hideo Kojima and tell him all of these things. <laughs> yeah. All of his stories are just so convoluted and so much craziness that you're like, yeah. take a breath. Take a breath, <laughs> sit back. Let something be realistic just like once, <laughs> just for a change. Maybe no aliens with octopus but tentacles. The thing about you've also just seen your relationship with your wife, but now you're creating a new, like you, the person, the player, are yes. creating a new relationship with this person because the whole game, you were just communicating with another person who's on firewalkie So I, I think that I, the, the to get to the that chunk of stuff at the beginning, yes. right? That chunk of stuff at the beginning, it, the narrative literally comes from text. I mean, yes. it's literally yeah. a it's choose your own adventure book, yeah. book, and you're making these choices, and you think as you're doing them and feel as you're doing them, these are going to have profound consequences yeah. for <laughs> the narrative of this game, right? And you know. We've already given our spoiler alert, but, you know, not really. No, no. Um, but what it does is, you know, in, in a way that is not a, directly apparent to you, the player, um, it engages, as you make the, that series of choices, you are more and more getting to the point of a first-person perspective rather yes. than a second-person perspective. Exactly. exactly. It's putting you in the shoes. Like, there there are games that are really good at this and games that kind of jolt you out of it at times. Uh, we're both big fans of the game The Last of Us, which is a game where you play as a, a third person the entire time, but at a certain point you begin to feel like you are the main character, Joel, and then at the end you are forced to do something that is kind of gruesome and intense as Joel, and it's one of those moments that takes you out of that, like, oh, I'm this character, I'm this character, and puts you in the perspective of, oh God, this character will do this no matter what. Yeah, I can't make the opposite stomach choice. goes to my throat, like yeah, when at the end, it's very intense. Now, yeah. that said, in any game where you have a protagonist, I would like to have the option to make them look like Mr. T. <laughs> it was a disappointment to me that, that it was not a character Was your Fallout character? That it yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> there's, two, there's only two choices. You try and make it look like you or you try and make it look like Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. T in The Last of Us would get caught every single time with all the jewelry he has yeah, on. Yeah, just, just jangling by everybody. around. 
I, I also like that no matter if you choose uh, the husband or the wife at the beginning of Fallout 4, you can make both of them look like Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Mrs. Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this. Uh, by the time I got into the actual gameplay of Firewatch, I felt uh, I felt sad and in shock of what I was about to per- to partake in. But I also was was putting a judgment on this character and then putting myself in his shoes and going, "How would I have reacted?" Because the truth is, Firewatch is a game that doesn't allow you to play morally, and it forces you into the shoes of somebody who's maybe you don't want to be there, and. That's something a game doesn't do very often these days. Yeah. Oftentimes you're given the role of the hero or the role of like at least an anti-hero who were like, but I kind of still like this person. This game starts with you've abandoned the person who loved you. Now be that person. You have to, you're the battle with yourself. Exactly. It, 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 it doesn't just drop you into that. Like one of the things, the thing that to me is really special and remarkable about the narrative aspect of this game is that the way the rails are invisible Mm -hmm. like it's sort of like when you were little and you were in the submarine at disneyland or something you feel like it's and you're like this yeah this is seems vividly real you're like i think i really went underwater yeah yeah and like you don't necessarily see the top of the submarine is above the water (laughs) or whatever right and you don't, or like you know, driving one of those cars on a track, you don't maybe don't even notice until you're nine yeah, that yeah. there's a that there's a concrete pillar in the middle <laughs> that you can't turn past, right? And that's how I felt, and and I also felt that like the when you say you're forced into the position of uh, 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 a position of immorality, mm-hmm. like I, I think that it's more that you're forced into a position where you have to reckon with the complexity of morality. Well, that's the thing is that there's nuance in this game. Right. And a lot of games, when they give you a moral conundrum, there's not a lot of nuance to this. And to this, I found myself starting to play and going, okay, well, my wife has dementia and I left her. But then I Maybe I going, shouldn't be playing video games. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I left her to go play Firewatch, and now this game is just You're too reminding close to me. Home. Yeah, too really. close to home. I mean, first I quit my job as an assassin yeah. in, in ancient Mesopotamia, yeah. and that blew up in my face. But this game is also a way that helps you cope with depression. This is a game that they created yes. just for that reason, putting you in a position that like is super uncomfortable, something people have to go through, but you don't want to think about it because it's so hard right. to deal with. Right. This game dives deep into your own thought process and your own self-judgment. Because the whole game is basically like, do I go back to my wife and deal with it or just go do something else? Yeah. Basically? And it's like, that's such a crazy hard thing to yeah. like accept and deal with. And I found myself saying to myself, well, you know, if if the person that I'm in love with doesn't even remember me anymore, yeah. should I be there? And that's when you're like, all right, I'm going to go steal cars and Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to go back to Murder Machine games because this has gotten too (laughs) Too, deep and I'm already uncomfortable. Ten minutes into the game and it did this to me. I think it's very interesting that in this game you're dropped into this uh, fire tower Mm -hmm. and you're having this – you have one relationship. Yeah. Which is with your dispatcher. Exactly. So it's over the radio. You're talking to your dispatcher. And a, a narrative emerges in mm-hmm. the game, this sort of mystery. And the mystery I found very involving. Yeah. yeah. Even though looking back on it now, having completed it, I realize 
how linear it was. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, I didn't necessarily have the agency that I felt at the time right. that I had, which is part of the magic of the illusion of this game. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's so rare for a game, ex- I mean, any narrative experience, but particularly a game, not to present narrative in a kind of inevitable, as a kind of an inevitable, natural thing like that a hero goes uh you know the the, the, the like the, that the hero's journey is is not like the only form of narrative yeah so like you are pursuing this you think you see the narrative in front of you yeah. because right. you have played a thousand video games right and you know that what happens is uh you know you get a mystery you pull at the strings it climaxes with violence yeah uh, and the violence resolves the thing, yeah. and there is a hero and a villain, right? And the fact that it engages you in that, it it knows that you that's what you will expect of it, mm-hmm. yes. engages you in that, and then delivers you delivers to you resolution that actually is not about the mechanical part, right, but right. is about the emotional part. Exactly. Is a really big deal to me. This yeah, is an- 70% into the game, I was like, what is this game? Like, what is, because at first I'm like, I just thought I was going day by day. I thought it was something the character had to work on. I'm like, it's slowly turning into a mystery yeah. that you need to solve because nobody really knows what's going on. So, uh, to and just... a mystery is like the ultimate game. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, a mystery game. is a game. Like, you're like, oh, great. I know the rules. Yeah. I know how you win. I have yeah. to solve it. And once I solve it, the game will be over. Because that's every video game. Every Mario game is like, you jump onto these blocks, you hit them, you get a mushroom, you get the flower. It's like, yeah. this is what the game's going to be. We have the, the rules. We tell you what they are from the beginning. We teach you how to exploit the rules so that you may beat the game. And this game's more of you're going to have an experience. Yeah. It's not going to be you're playing a game that's repetitive. I mean, yeah. I, I'm, uh, you know, I might be making over large claims here, right? But like, but I, I'm the tallest man. <laughs> <I've ever been>. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I uh, do a show called Judge John Hodgman with John Hodgman, right? right? And this show is a show that is like Judge Judy or whatever, and right. that people bring us their actual conflicts and uh, John resolved them for them, right? And the conflicts in our case are much more often social conflicts Mm -hmm. um, with different stakes than Judge Judy. You know, it's not like she stole my car. Yeah. Um, But one of the things that happens is a lot of men particularly, not exclusively, but particularly men and particularly geeky men have, and I'm not speaking to the, group of that group of people who may get him, be more likely get him, to get him Jesse get tell him get him to it's listen so to, weird to, to listen to a video game else. podcast or or play AAA video games right uh, I shan't speak broadly about them <laughs> but um who create the, where the conflict is that the man has created a system mm-hmm. <laughs> that is <laughs> I like this already that is different from social convention. Yes. Yeah. Because of some some reason that he sees as rational. Trauma. And then <laughs> that's possible. Um, <laughs> that sees as, that he sees as 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 being rational. Mm-hmm. And he wants to impose it on others right. rather than accepting the collectively decided and you typically are somewhat arbitrarily decided social right. convention, right? And what that is about to me as a as a like 
as an observer, somebody mm-hmm. who has some of those inclinations myself, certainly. I mean, God knows I identify with Larry David when I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it had to be explained to me that he was a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> All the characters on Seinfeld as well. Uh, I, I remember thinking, like, people were like, well, all the characters on Seinfeld are bad people. And on Friends, they're decent people. And I'm like, I hate the characters on Friends. What are you talking yeah. about? All they want to be is friends with the characters on Seinfeld. And I was like, uh-oh. And I became an adult. I'm a sociopath. Yeah. What don't you get? Yeah. I'm the tallest sociopath ever to live. So I, I obviously, I have these inclinations myself, right? But it's like uh, the world is complicated. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have experienced trauma or you are not naturally socially fluid or mm-hmm. whatever, the complication of social interaction is scary. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm just going out of the way. If you're playing a video game, you probably had trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go even further. If you're alive, <laughs> you, probably you probably had, had trauma. trauma. Right. So that's our version of Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you might have some trauma. So, like, uh, yeah, like before before we were uh, before we went on microphone, I think we discussed uh, the time that a guy punched me in the face for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure, I got some. Yeah, I mean, um, you're, you're talking to two dudes who were bullied pretty extensively, so yeah. we're all in the same boat. And, you know, bullying is like a really directly social trauma, right? Yeah. So one of the appeals of games is that games have rules. Yes. Right? It's, this is not nom. This is you rolling, in right? You control. That you have, it, you know, you not on, not just that you're in control, but they, you understand the terms of the conflict. Okay. Um, that you, and you may be able to master it through intellect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And so you, this game plays with the expectation in a gamer that by using intellect, you can understand the rules uh, in a literal sense, then use them to win mm-hmm. uh, and emerge triumphant, right? Like yeah. you can, because there is this central mystery, mysteries being like the nerdiest book genre right. as well, like you understand the set of rules, you know, it's a parlor mystery, yeah. right? It's it's got to be one of the yeah wait staff, right? Um, <laughs> the house staff. Um, so you you think that you are figuring out the rules, right? When in fact, what you are doing is having an emotional, a first person emotional experience mm-hmm. that the resolution teaches you uh, was what actually mattered. This, yes, well, this, uh, 100%. Well, the thing about this whole game is like using your intellect, trying to get above things, getting past things with your intellect. And at the end, it's like, no, it was just sadness the whole it time. It was just your emotion. It was just your emotion because that's always what you have to come back to no matter what. And this is something you and I have been talking about mm-hmm. lately, the difference between your intellectual brain and your emotional brain and how people confuse them and keep them separate, even though what they need to do is communicate between them. This game, for me, does such a great job of shining a light on the idea that like it, it, it's, it's almost like a... a like a very cruel trick in a way. Yeah. Because like you said, they set up rules, they set up the mystery, um, and let's just, let's speak about it in concrete terms. Uh, your character starts getting uh, followed around. Yeah, the tower gets vandalized. There's somebody falling around. There's somebody that knocks him unconscious. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. And they make on. it seem like it's kids, it's teenagers. You run into girls who are like playing loud music. You they're get drunk, the radio. Yeah. They're drunk. All this sort of then stuff. Then people have recorded your conversations with your uh, with your dispatcher, who you kind of have this complicated, maybe romantic relationship going on with. Now That's there's... really what it's leading towards. Yeah. It's clearly like you guys have something together, and you've yeah. never seen what she looks like, but she knows what you look like. And now they're trying to blackmail 
follow you or you think you are. There's all this concern. And so you are trying to beat whoever this person is to the punch to save your own ass and your dispatchers. <sighs> except that... It's so sad. It's it is so, so sad. sad. Except that what sadness. the game is actually about is that people run from their problems and people don't face anything. And so you learn all the mechanics. You try to get a leg up on the game. And at the end of the game you are tricked into realizing something about your character and very potentially about yourself as the person holding the controller, not the person because within the game. you're making the decisions. You're saying these things. Yeah. I think, I think that that romantic plot mm -hmm. is a very... It, it's also... It's, I think it runs corollary to the uh, mystery plot in that it also uses your expectations. Exactly. And when I say your expectations, I'm talking about the three generics. Uh, I don't know if you guys are straight, but I'm I'm going to presume and say the three generic straight white guys in this room right now. Yep. We all have awesome beards. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all very capable of growing facial hair, but, as you'll see in the picture that goes along with this. You know, particularly in, particularly in games, mm -hmm. but also in, in other forms of narrative media that are for people like us. We have hegemonic power, right? Like yeah. white, straight white dudes write the rules. Yeah. And we're at the center of everything. Yep. And so in a narrative like this, we have an expectation yes. that we can understand, we can figure out, again, figure out the social rules. Right. This is more literally social. Because we've constructed yeah. them. But figuring, figure out the, the social rules. And because it's a game, right? Yeah. Uh, and that we will that will then lead to us winning sex. Yeah, that is that is the expectation at the end of this game. If you and your dispatcher, you're going to say the right things, and you're going to wind up with this person, you're going to fall in love with a new person. Everything's going to work, and you're, it's going to be like this was the right choice. And the game is basically just like this has nothing to do with you. Yeah, this isn't about you, which is a great message that people should get more often in life. This isn't about you. I'm not going to say what kind of people, but... Do you want to do it? Let's do it's it. It's time for How Well Do You Know Your Favorite Video Game, Firewatch Edition. So oh, this is a lightning shit. round. Yes. 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 Get pumped. Get it, Jesse. Guys, uh, I pumped. also gave you baseball stars for the <laughs> NES, and I, I would do a lot better on that one. You guys you guys didn't want to talk about the Ninja Black Sox <laughs> and the lovely ladies. We didn't. We want to we talk didn't. about real stuff with you. Yeah. Uh, so this is a lightning round. Each question is going to have three seconds to answer it, and they're all... Definitely about the game. There's no joke There's questions. There's no joke questions at all. There's not a bunch of comedic content There's thrown in for no reason. It's so serious. Please it's trust so us. So serious. Okay, I don't know if this is a bit. Question one. <laughs> in which state does Firewatch take place? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's say my, it's the West. Let's say Montana. Cla Very close. Wyoming. 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 There you go. There you nice. Go. That's half a point. There you go. <laughs> Question two. In what year do the events of Firewatch take place? 1874. Walkie talkies. <laughs> Very close. Very close. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say like the mid 90s. Not far. 1989. 1989. I like that you were able to tell it was in the past, though, because you know what? They don't explicitly say it, but there are little hints. Uh, the, yeah, the music on the stereo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, question three, what is the capital of Australia? Uh, Canberra? Yes! yes! Oh, 
Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you guys want to do National Geographic Geography quiz, I'll fucking rule at that shit. You want to see my academic decathlon medals? Question four. It's the fake nerd quiz I'm worried about. <laughs> Question four. What is the name of Henry's wife in Firewatch? Don't remember it all. <laughs> Not even a little. I didn't either. I had to look this up. I don't up. know. It's Julia. It's Julia. Question okay. five. Sleeping Beauty is creepy? Yeah. Yeah, very. Yeah, yes, that's, that's correct. Very, very creepy. Very correct. What's she do? Like, yeah. All of it. Creepy. <laughs> How is that what unlocks? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Question six. What disease is Henry's wife diagnosed with in the game's opening? Early onset Alzheimer's? Early onset dementia. But so, yeah, I'm going to say yes to that. Question seven What's eight times seven? 56. Nice. Again, like if you want to give me the school (laughs) questions, I was an SAT tutor for a while. (laughs) I'm ready to go. Question eight You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah. Question nine, in which national park is Can I be clear? I'm a married man. I am not actually down with OPP. Can I? I, It was, I think I was 24, and I was like listening to that song. I was like, I haven't heard this song in a long time. The guy was like, you know what OPP stands for? And I was like, no. And when he told me other people's pussy, I was like, that's awful. Yeah. It's fun, though. It's fun. My family will stop singing it while we're making pancakes. I always assumed, here's a question for you guys, part of my game that I play with you. (laughs) Is it it geography based? Have you guys ever heard the gangstar song Dwick? No. D-W-Y-C-K? No. Oh, okay. Well, I I always just assumed that Dwick was basically like a way of saying like, my dick. (laughs) <laughs> or like these nuts, you what know? Is like it? what is it? I, I, it's apparently it's a mystery. I just always assumed that I knew <laughs> that it's made. Okay, go ahead. It was like All sign right. up to vote. Question <laughs> nine: What does Dwick stand for? Oh no! Question nine: In which national park does Firewatch take place? Mm, Cascades. Not a bad guess. It's Shoshone National Forest. Yeah, not a real. Well, first of all, that's a trick because that's a national forest. <laughs> It's still a national park. Mm, no, it's a national <laughs> forest. National forests, my friend, are the land of many uses. SAT tutor. SAT Only because he has the decathlon medals to prove it. You know what? I bought a I bought a cabin in a national monument, and that became incredibly important when I when the president was thinking about unmonumenting some national <laughs> oh, monuments. Oh my god. Yeah, so I had to, I had to get real. You did your research. My brother-in-law was a, a national park ranger. Really? Yeah, he was a ranger at Yosemite for five or six years. There you go. Yeah, had to shoot a bear and everything. Whoa! Yeah. Had had to. Yeah, well, you got to. If the, bears, <laughs> if the bears down there are in the, you know what I mean? Like if the bears getting up in the in is in Yosemite Valley. <laughs> He had to chase it through Yosemite Village, yeah. in, in bo- literally in boxer shorts. Oh with a, he did, shot it with a with tranquilizer gun. Yeah, but like a tranquilizer rifle, I guess. Yeah, wow. long gun. But he was literally running through people's cabins and campsites in his boxer shorts with a gun, yelling "Park Ranger, Park Ranger, Park Ranger." <laughs> Like chasing a bear. This is, by the way, my favorite deleted level from all of Firewatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question 10. What is the name of the antagonist who stalks Henry throughout the game? I'm going to go with Gargamel? <laughs> that, am I misremembering Beowulf. that? It is actually Ned. <laughs> question 11. Oh, you want to do, do some Beowulf? <laughs> I do not. Let's I do, do not. this. You want to talk about his dog man friend? <laughs> <laughs> a friend who's half dog. Half man. Question 11. What shape is the state of Kansas? Uh, it's like uh, 
rectangular? You're thinking of uh, Colorado. Okay. No, I think he's thinking of North Dakota. Is Kansas the one? No, Oklahoma has a handle. Oklahoma has a handle. You know what it is? It's that uh, it's that thing where every Colorado is a Kansas, but not every Kansas is a Colorado. There you go. That's there it is. It. Question 12. Ned is said to drink heavily as a result of his trauma from what past event? Mm. You already said it. I did? Mm-hmm. He, he made a joke. Oh, very early on. Yep. Really? Yep. It's a real past event. 1989, there's an adult who was traumatized. Okay, let me think. 1989, a number, another summer. <laughs> oh, it's the riot from Do the Right Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> the Vietnam War. Oh, he's there not... are rules. This isn't Vietnam. <laughs> he's not. The whole game I played, I thought Rich Summer was playing Buggin' Out from uh, Do the Right Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody stepped on his sneakers. There's the trauma. And question 13, what's a good name for an improv team? Mm, I mean, I guess just mixed nuts, right? Like, <laughs> why else would you have another name for an That's improv? Uh, we also would have accepted Tang Lee. Candle, Abra, Cadabra, uh-huh. BYO bathing suits, right. or that's a wifey Mita ball. Terrible. Oh. You that's... guys are like the Deadpool of video game <laughs> podcasting. You don't care who you offend <laughs> with your trademark snark. <laughs> this has been How the World You Know Our Favorite Video Game. Jesse, Jesse pretty, good. pretty good. Pretty well. You know, I really could have well. done worse. I, I played this game a long time ago. Yeah. I want to be clear. To do well. <laughs> I want to be clear. Before we came in here, I had just finished an interview for my smash hit NPR program. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. Literally NPR's least successful <laughs> program. Um, but I had just finished an interview with Megan Mullally, the wonderful Megan Mullally, and it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. And I saw you guys sitting out in the, waiting for me kindly. And I came and I said, guys, I just want to take a second to review the Wikipedia page for and, Firewatch because no. I haven't played it in a year and a half. Yep. And I just want to make sure that I don't say anything dumb or anything. And you guys would not let me. That's true. <laughs> That's wouldn't. 100% true. Yeah. Absolutely not. This quiz matters Zero. Yeah. <laughs> it is not important. Yeah. The thing about this game that was so awesome is once you figure out Ned's sadness. We're talking yeah. about baseball stars? Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're back to talking about baseball, baseball. stars. Okay. Um, figuring out, because the whole game is like, oh, this guy's like crazy, this, that, this. And you're like, oh, he's just sad. Like, I'm sad. He's sad. We're all just like running for her. The person that you're talking to in the other tower, she's sad. It's like everybody's trying to deal with their sadness in their yeah. own specific way. Now, this is a video game. Where people play them because they want to get away from their sadness yeah. and they're living it through other people. Well, let's talk about, can we talk about the getaway part? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I have to say that, um, you know, even a very carefully designed video game can often fall prey to its game mechanics as an aesthetic experience, right? Like if we use Fallout as an example, yeah. every single element of Fallout was designed by a brilliantly talented graphic designer mm-hmm. slash animator, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, every single... Like, it literally fetishizes the objects during the loading screen where you can, yeah, like, turn yeah, them around them, and yeah. look at them while you jack off. And <laughs> you don't have to do that. You just gave yourself away. <laughs> <laughs> really? I played this for five days. This explains a and lot I'm, more now. I'm 37. My refractory period is not what it used to be. 
Um, but like seriously, like the uh, and the and the designs are remarkable. Like yeah. uh, these are brilliant people who worked on this game, but yeah. they've spent tens of millions of dollars doing it. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a r- remarkable thing. It just works. But at the but at the end of the day, like when you're walking around, sometimes there's just like too much stuff yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. B- because. If you're tr- because it, when you get to the point where you are uh, letting a computer kind of uh, uh, generate through algorithms the situation that you're in, because that's required to have it be a game, um, it, you can't. It's hard to you, like you can keep everything of an aesthetic piece, right? Mm-hmm. You can say this is our aesthetic for this game. Everybody design every piece like that, and it's important. Yeah, um, but it. Because it is so nonlinear, fundamentally, like there's no way to design every thing that you interact with, every sort of larger scale situation that you inter- interact with. So you can design every piece, you can design every tree, but you can't design the forest. Yeah, exactly. I get, I get what you're saying. Um, and so it's often, I, I often feel like in these games, I am overwhelmed by the aesthetic inputs. Yeah, and that they, because it has to be a game, it. It does. It, it's not always coherent. Yeah. Um. Like it's coherent in that everything goes with everything else, but it's not coherent in the sense that everything it, it harmonizes with everything. Right? Yeah. It feels. Uh. It feels cluttered, and not for lack of planning for, but for over planning. Yes. Yeah. So with Firewatch, I think that it was, and like I would, there there are certainly counterexamples to that. Like I was thinking of, uh. One of my favorite uh, PlayStation games, Katamari Damacy. Yeah, yeah, yep, there it is. Um, you know, and I've, I've always, since I played that game, I've tried to live my life by the Rolling wise words, <laughs> Katamari, do your best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, uh, Katamari is, like, literally a game about clutter. Yeah. So the aesthetics being cluttered are managed beautifully yeah, by exactly. that theme, right? Um, but... I found Overwatch breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. And I think that it nailed... Or did you mean Firewatch? Firewatch. <laughs> there it goes. Tower uh, Man. Yeah, I promised. <laughs> I promised it would happen. Uh, like, have you guys ever read... Um, have you guys ever read this book, uh, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud? I have not. No. Oh, this is... So this is a wonderful, wonderful book Comedians that is... Comedians or like comic books? No, comic books. Okay. Um, uh, Scott is a very talented comic writer himself but his greatest success has been this this series of books that started with understanding comics that are about you know they're basically literary theory for comic books yeah and um one of the things that he writes about in the in the first of these which is you know probably the best i mean like it's the most important stuff that's why it's the first book mm-hmm. um that he explains so beautifully is the relationship between uh, realism or literalism mm-hmm. and abstraction yeah. in terms of how we relate to texts yeah. um, and particularly narrative texts. And one of the things he does is he shows the protagonist of a story at various levels of quote unquote realism. So mm-hmm. various levels of abstraction, right? From, uh, you know, Charlie Brown uh, to Tintin. Mm-hmm. Ton ton, if you're <laughs> if you're Dutch or whatever the fuck that is, <laughs> that's right. Hang out with. That's Take not, that. I'm not Dutch. here to offend anyone. <laughs> Just hanging out with John Hodgman for a long time, like him pointing out that it's not pronounced Tintin, tin, yeah. is like one of his perfect classic nerdisms yeah. <laughs> that I've experienced many times. Uh, I'm very fond of it. Um, all all the way to kind of uh, hyper realistic 
uh, uh, photo reality, mm-hmm. right? And the point of showing you each of these things is you understand the relationship between that abstraction and your identification. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that one of the reasons that, for example, animation is so powerful is because we tend to relate more to things that are more abstract, right? But there are also there are also costs to that because uh, we see it. We we relate more to it in kind of emotional sense. Yeah. Um, but we don't necessarily perceive it as being the real world. Right. right. It's and, almost like we can't translate it back into actual life right. practice. And I think that aesthetically, Firewatch, mm-hmm. as I always call the game, <laughs> <laughs> um, it the the aesthetics of it are slightly mannered. Yeah. But they are immediately recognizable and have a certain verisimilitude. Yeah. So it is something that is a few degrees. It, it's a it's a few enough. It, it's far enough from reality that you don't feel like they're literally trying to depict reality. Right. Um, so there is room to room to kind of play emotionally for yeah. yourself. Like it's there's you can do almost. some projection onto yeah. it yourself, right? And then, uh, but but it is also recognizably real, so it does feel like there are real stakes right. and like it is a grounded narrative, right? Yeah. It's it's not a hyper-real narrative in general. No, it falls directly in that middle ground where it's emotionally affecting. Yeah. And then once you put the game down, it remains emotionally affecting because it was close enough to life that you feel the impact of it in your everyday life. I, but I, it's also breathtakingly beautiful. It like, is, I really it is found it to be one of the most beautiful to look at I think probably the most beautiful to look at video game I've ever played. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that's what I was attached to when I played the game completely. And uh, the game about it is that a kid went missing, and it was one yep. of the Firewatch's pe- people that work there, one of the Rangers there, and his kid goes missing. And you just think he went missing. That's all you think. And you're in the cave. And this really got me emotionally and really made me take a step back because. I see dead bodies in video games all the time. All you do is kill things in video games. That's all you yeah. do. And for some reason, the fact that I saw, like, a kid's dead body, like, at the ground that he fell off, like, he was climbing. He was climbing in a cave, and he, and he fell, fell down, and, and his dad blamed it on himself, and his body's just, like, there, and he, like, put it all together. And right. This guy, like, just lost it, because the only thing he had was, like, his kid, and now he's dead. Right. And just seeing a child, for some reason, it's like, yeah, I stopped playing the game. I was like, yeah. I don't want to go look over it. Like, I legitimately felt like there's a dead body over there. I don't want to walk over Right, and when we combine this, I mean, when we talk about the beautiful aesthetic of Firewatch and how everything feels a little bit more animated, not realistic, but it has that that room to be emotionally impactful, you have this beautiful setting, you find the remains of this poor child who died, and now all of that space to be emotional mixes in with all the aesthetic of the game, and it hits extra hard. For some reason, it doesn't lessen the impact. It makes it almost feel more realistic to see all this beauty of a natural park, see this uh, cartoonish animation, and then just to see this this clothed skeleton lying at the base of this cave. It makes it feel more realistic than any death I've ever seen in any other video game. Yeah, and there's a it hurt. There's a point in the game where you get attacked randomly, and you yeah. aren't expecting that. You're like, "What the hell is going That's on?" That's fear. That's like fear, <laughs> just like coming out. But finding where Ned is, where he's been living, where he's finding been out all his journals, where he's been hiding. This guy's just been so broken. It's just yeah. like, 
man, like you had sadness coming in this game. Your character has sadness, but now seeing sadness of somebody else of having actual loss. And it's funny, character. like I play, playing Fallout, and I don't mean to keep picking on Fallout. It's, we should have talked we, about Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent I've spent so much time lately playing Fallout, and then like also just getting intimately familiar with its shortcomings. Um, but like you know, in Fallout, one of the big game mechanics is you go and you like hack into a computer, and then you read a bunch of emails. Right. Yeah. That, tell a cute little story and like every time I would read a bunch of emails that tell a cute little story and then it would not actually it wouldn't affect matter. the game mechanic yeah uh, like it wouldn't give me any points or mm-hmm. any secrets uh, I would get so mad <laughs> <laughs> because I found the narrative so uncompelling exactly yeah. you just wasted your time in that moment yeah but where you read Ned's journal yeah. entries you are you have an, an actual emotional engagement with exactly and and you're right, like, that really is something special about this game that because the choices bet- in video games tend to be either uh, graphic death mm-hmm. or Super Mario-style disappear yeah. when you exactly. die. Yeah. Like, those are the only two yeah. things yeah. that can happen. Um, like, to have a game that engages with the consequences uh, and emotional reality of death is really stunning. Yeah, yeah, it's insane seeing video games evolve from just arcades and quarters and just trying to make money to like we made. I felt something playing like I genuinely felt something, and yeah. I'm like, that's really hard to do with just content, media, anything. Everything that's shoved in our faces all day to actually feel something. And without free will. Yeah, because this game is not free will. Like we were talking about before, it is on a track, it and makes no matter it seem what like happens, you free will, but you you're don't. gonna find this kid. But it always manages to feel like you found this body. Do you want to jump into the next game? Yeah, now for a completely let's, different thing. Let's, <laughs> let's change up gears a little bit. Let's do, can you guess the name of the video game? Let's talk about Gilles Deleuze. <laughs> <laughs> get, where this, one's, this game's called Getting Gramsci. <laughs> it's the organic intellectual quiz game. This game is called, can you guess the name of the video game based on somebody who doesn't play video games described a video game to us? So uh, okay. my girlfriend is not a gamer. But she'll watch me play video games, mm-hmm. and then she'll tell me what she thinks is going on, and we will give you those hints and see if you can guess the game that she was describing. So I, and I'll say this: I'm looking at you right now. Mm-hmm. I can tell you're a gamer. You got eye black on. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're ready to. You're ready to go pound some people out there on the field. You're gonna yep. run out all the ground balls. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go on. Go got on. It. What got else? <laughs> Other sports. I'm things. very tall. I have a. a I already great talked beard. about how handsome you are. <laughs> All right, so we will give you a few different guesses for each game. Feel free to guess after each one. If at any point you get it correct, you win the whole thing. Okay, and I I, I want to be clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we've talked about a few video games so far. I will tell you that we've mentioned at least two of them in this episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've brought up a few Sega Genesis games. We've, over the course of since we walked in until now... They've at least been mentioned in passing, I think. You know these games. We haven't yet talked about Seaman. <laughs> and we won't. <laughs> no. Okay, first hint. This the... Leonard Nimoy starring Dreamcast <laughs> game. The game that teaches you that belonging is a matter of perspective. The game that teaches you that belonging is a matter of perspective. I mean, my first instinct is baseball stars for the NES. <laughs> it is not baseball stars. No? Is it Tecmo Bowl? It's not. Tecmo Super Bowl! <laughs> it's not that either. Oh. We have three more hints for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two, the rhythmic integrating smoosh game. 
Uh, fucking. Sex. <laughs> that game sells like Sexual Congress. <laughs> We've been talking about that game a lot since we got in here. Right. <laughs> Uh, number three. The game where panic sets in as you build up your legacy stone by stone. As you build up your legacy stone by stone. What I'm most excited for right now is when we tell him what game this is and he realizes the way that, that my girlfriend's brain works. Oh, it's every time. That's going to be fantastic. real fun for me. Rampart? No. <laughs> no. Got some really hot current references here, by the way, guys. <laughs> and last one. And this again, all four of these have been about the same game. You've... Oh, shit, you didn't say that at the beginning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, first game. We have three games for you. So, all four of these are just the so same remember, game. All the these game hints. that teaches you that belonging is a matter of perspective. The game that teaches you belonging is a matter of perspective. The rhythmic integrating smoosh game. Sexual Congress. The game where panic sets in as you build up your legacy stone by stone. And now... I'm, st- I'm sticking with sexual Congress. <laughs> <laughs> you finally ascend to heaven, which is 45% blue skies, 20% Taj Mahal... 33% plumbing and 2% little white beans. Little white beans? Is it Super Mario Brothers? It's not. It's Tetris. Tetris. This is oh, Tetris. Tetris. <laughs> Taj Mahal, I think, was her dead giveaway. Yeah. Apparently, uh, she was like, if you belong and you fit perfectly into everything, you all die and disappear. <laughs> That's how she viewed Tetris, is all those blocks die. <laughs> it's not the Taj Mahal. It's like Red Square or yeah. whatever, right? <laughs> I mean... Probably. <laughs> I think it is because it was made in Russia, right? Yeah. Uh, number one. For the second game. Second game. Second game. Did you hear the thing about how the creator of Tetris finally came to own Tetris like two years ago? Because it was created at, when when there was no private enterprise oh, in the Soviet Union. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and That's, so through this crazy, oh, convoluted, like semi-legal, semi-financial arrangement, he came to own it like... Literally, like, he, just, he, was like a, he was like a mathematician. He I just got he screwed like, out of so much money. Yeah. I call them math magicians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second game, first hint. Uh, number one, I feel like Jon Snow just landed in Oz, and Mr. Peanut and Tom Hanks tag along on his quest to warn Hogwarts headmaster <laughs> Groot that the British are coming. Oh, my God. Wow. So a lot of famous I mean, things. I don't know if this is universal, but for me, <laughs> for me, yeah, sexual congress. <laughs> What would you do if we were like, that's it, next that's game? It, next game. Yeah. Uh, second hint. It seems like the thing took magic classes and ate its Wheaties, but is still working through some aggression. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I played a video game where you were different guys. You were mm-hmm. Marvel guys. Yeah. And you had to fight against bad guys from that. Yeah. And you could be Human Torch, and maybe you could have been the thing. That I is... don't remember what it was called. I got it from my friend Jordan. He used to get... My friend Jordan used to do, did like five video game reviews on television, mm-hmm. and then he, for the entirety of the time that he worked for that television network, he would just get literal like piles of video games and video game consoles awesome. in the mail for free. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I yeah. think it might have been Marvel vs. Capcom, the game you're yeah. talking about. That's, huh? mm, no? That's a fighting game, right? Yeah, this wasn't a fighting no, game. No, this was like a game where you go through like- Side-scrolling, um, like you're walking down streets. Christian knows guys. what it is. Christian, tell me on the talk back. Marvel yes. Ultimate Alliance, Marvel that sounds Ultimate. right. Oh, man. I mean, it's not it, but I like that. <laughs> Number three, uh, there are lots of improbably floating land slivers. 
Hmm, lots of improbably floating land slippers. And it's not Super Mario Brothers? This is it's a new not. one that's not Super Mario Brothers. It's not Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers 2. You can fly in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Only if you're Princess Peach. Oh, that's true. But no. What about the little... F- oh, that was was that Super Mario Brothers 3 where they had the little shoes that made you fly? Oh, the uh, the, the, the raccoon suit where you could fly up? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Tell. Yeah, it's Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. Fourth hint. Honestly, there's probably the entire cast of Law & Order SVU in this thing. I really couldn't tell you. Wow. Here's the thing. We've talked about... Jon Snow, Mr. Peanut, Tom Hanks, Hogwarts, the British, Law & Order SVU, all these things. We've talked about this game since we've been in in this office, but not to you. You were recording this episode, and we were talking to Christian... The sound engineer who's outside right now, and we talked about this game. Doesn't Ice-T have a video game podcast? <laughs> Speaking of the of cast of Law & Order SVU. I, I mean, if he doesn't, he should. I think he does. does I don't really? think I'm making that up. <laughs> I interviewed Ice-T one time. And have you guys ever met Ice-T? No. Unfortunately, we have not. For my uh, failed NPR program, <laughs> Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, I interviewed Ice-T one time. I don't think I have ever met a more charismatic human being really? than Ice T. Ice T is like fifty-seven. Yeah. He's kind of paunchy. He's like a little too bald to have his signature hairstyle. <laughs> like there's nothing about Ice T should work. Uh but the second he like gets in your line of vision, you're like, oh my God, it look all, at this amazing person. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'll listen to anything you say, Mr. T. <laughs> Is that who you were talking about when you said every character is yeah, Mr. I call T? Him Mr. T? You yeah. call Ice T Mr. T. Yeah. Uh, number five. Oh, and yeah, you can add magma or coils to anything because sure. Yeah. Also, what was the what was the sex game you kept saying? Sexual Congress. Sexual Congress. Um, this is a very perverted sounding title for a game name. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that. I genuinely don't know, guys. When do I find out what the answer is, Christian? Christian, do you have a guess? It's, it's Super, Super Smash Brothers. Brothers. Christian gets it on the first guess. He was waiting. He was on that. S- Super Smash Brothers. Because the difference is all the different guys. Yeah. Yep. They're jumping on weird platforms. The, the land slivers. Yeah. yeah. That's an, a Super Smash Brothers is an example of a game that I'm genuinely terrible at. Oh, I'm horrendous at it. I'm great at Super Smash Brothers. Really? Really? Yeah, really the like only it. game like that that I have ever achieved relative success at is a Nintendo Wii game called Imagine Colon Party Babies. <laughs> because I just had these friends that had this game, Imagine Party Babies. Babies is spelled with a Z. Of course it is. And it's like one of those, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a party game, you know, it's a lot of bunch of mini games where you get to pick your baby and then you compete in various <laughs> Oh my I pictured the exact moment that you were like, I'm fucking good at this. Yeah. <laughs> really sticking in the couch being like, yeah. these fuckers don't know what's coming their way. Who's acting like a baby now, ex-girlfriend? <laughs> Last game. Every sound effect is a nonchalant man blowing raspberries. Blowing raspberries? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Correct. The old Bronx cheer? <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, it's the old Bronx cheer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got nothing so far. Okay. Keep going. The first By the end, I'll still have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I think you might get this one. Okay. The first world ant farm game, uh, there are little lines that look like ants, she says. And it's not Sim Ant. (laughs) It's not Sim Ant. It's not Sim Ant. Because that is literally a first world. Is there a Sim Ant game? There is a Sim Ant game. You never played Sim Ant? I never played Sim Ant. It's not. 
What about Simcopter? You ever play Simcopter? <laughs> no, I've barely played any. That's how the you Sims can games. tell that you guys are a little younger than I am. <laughs> Just a this little is bit. like you Just know how bit. you know how people define their entire generation by the fact that they played a lot of Oregon Trail in yeah. school. Yeah. Like this is uh, this is Oregon Trail generation. Just school above. school video games. Yeah, I got this you. is like this is Oregon Trail. I played late in elementary school, and yep. then these are games that I was allowed to play in middle school. I went in uh, in Dino the computer Park lab. Tycoon. That okay. was mine. Yeah. All right, the one where you work on your school architecture project. Is it SimCity? It is SimCity 2000. SimCity 2000. It's SimCity 2000. It's SimCity. You got one. It's SimCity. You I got tell, it. Can I tell you something about SimCity? I downloaded SimCity onto my laptop computer yeah. to play on airplanes because I can't have it on my regular computer because then I'll just play that instead of working. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and it's it, the, the the games where I've had this experience truly is the SimCity games and then this this baseball game called Baseball Mogul that literally has no graphic elements. No, you're like, just you're just trading guys and like raising the hot dog prices. Yep. Well, the creator of SimCity, he originally made that game, he wanted to make like a fire, he wanted to make a, a jet game where you like bomb things and stuff. And yeah. He's like I actually like making levels a lot more than actually playing this game and hurting people. So He's like, I just want to do this, and that's how Sim took off. Yeah, some so of the best games. I Remember? had SimCity 2000, and then later SimCity 4 or something on my computer. I don't mm-hmm. remember which one is which. Um, and I, I get migraine headaches. Yep. And like, if I if I like tense up my head and neck, yep. I will Bring give myself migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. And I had to take the computer. I had to take the game off of my computer. Because I would play it so compulsively that I would give myself migraines on airplane flights. That seems right. That seems right. And I have a similar experience with I get headaches all the time when I try to play anything on a flight or in a car or anything like that. Yeah. So ain't doing it. Guys, this has been Can You Guess the Name of the Video Game? Missed it out. Somebody who doesn't play video games, subscribe to the video game to us. To us. Jesse, you did great, man. That was great. That was great. It's time for the last thing, which is not the last thing. Two if you count sexual congress. We we always count sexual congress. So we have one final. (laughs) By the way, two is my sexual congress count. I'm 37 (laughs) years old. (laughs) This is the final thing before our final thing. It's called Final Five. This is five questions we ask every single person. And they're all original and not one of them is stolen from inside the actor's studio with James Lipton. Oh, thank God. Uh, and if he's listening, just go to hell, James. Just I mean, really just it's gonna go. sound just, so just, bad when he's dead, but he still just won't stop calling us when that finally happens. The first question is: Is Sling, is Sling Blade here? Can we talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> we are adding that to every episode now. Um, number one: If you could be any video game character, who would you be and why? I mean, Fishman. Fishman? Yeah, from uh, from uh, that game. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Seaman. Christian just Seaman audibly laughed. Seaman. He just because... audibly laughed outside the studio. <laughs> We're in a soundproof studio. I could hear Christian laughing from outside the Seaman studio. from the game Seaman. Have you guys ever played the game Seaman <laughs> no, on the Dreamcast? No. Dreamcast. You know how the Dreamcast had a. So when I was a senior in college, my friend Nathaniel, who actually now is a professional video game designer, nice. Um, he had a Dreamcast, and he had the Dreamcast so that uh, my co-host on Jordan Jesse Go Jordan could come over, mm-hmm. and they could play burned ROMs of Japanese-only fighting games. That's amazing. <laughs> like <laughs> fully, like in Japanese. Like I was like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "This one has great mechanics." And you're, and you're like, "We're in the options menu." <laughs> yeah, and that was like. That was like what's cool about the Dreamcast yeah. at the time was like you could burn anything onto a CD. This was yeah. the height of the CD burner. Right. We were all very excited about CD burners yeah. at the time. 
But it had one one really amazing. Well, it had this great tennis game. I never thought that there could be a great tennis game, but there was a game on the Dreamcast that was really great. But anyway, uh, they they had this they had this like there was this slot you could plug things into in the Dreamcast mm-hmm. controller that you could plug in like a little thing that was sort of a second screen. And yeah. you could, it was weird. It was didn't really work. Yeah. <laughs> but you could plug a little microphone into it. Mm-hmm. And Seaman was this game where there was this fish tank on the screen. Mm-hmm. And then you had to raise this fish with a creepy human face. Okay. Like a realistic looking fish with a creepy human face. <laughs> so far, so good. By talking to it, and you would use of a course. controller to like feed it and stuff. Right, right. But you had to talk to it to help it learn to talk. It's Makes a sense. digipet. And it was like a digipet, but like a, a photorealistic. Uh huh. Digipet with a, of a fish with a human face. Checks out. It all checks with out. With a realistic human face. Obviously, yes. And it would swim around in there, and it was kind of mad at you, usually. Totally. Like, it didn't like you. It was very dyspeptic. Mm-hmm. As it would be. And it, and it would go through these evolutions. Sure, sure. So it would start out as, like, an egg. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it would turn eventually into a seaman. As you do. And then in between, there, as it went through these evolutions, the evolutions were narrated by Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. Um... The late, the late great Leonard Nimoy, who of course was, uh, you guys would know him as the director of Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> of course. Um, I guess the only thing I have to say is that I have zero questions about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I covered it so exhaustively. Uh, Let's go question two. <laughs> if you could get rid of one game in history, what would it be? I mean, my initial thought is that if we could get rid of Baseball Mogul, I would have gotten much better grades <laughs> in college. <laughs> That's a fair answer. That's great, yeah. Number three, if you were to make a video game title for your life, what would it be? Hmm. Rolling into Blockbuster. I mean, my, my initial thought is just white dad, exclamation mark? <laughs> does, the, does the exclamation mark add enough punch to it? I think it definitely, it's definitely a game for Sega. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like an exclamation point is a very 90s, thank, like, yeah! Thank God, because I was concerned, because Genesis does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good that it's on the Sega. Or did you mean the Master System? I we Oh, we literally had this conversation while we were waiting for you. <laughs> I mean, Christian is losing it out there. You're my talking friend, all about this. My friend Tony McCauley had a Nintendo, a Turbo Graphics, and a Sega Master Why? System. Why? I didn't even, ha- I couldn't even, I didn't even have, I bought myself a Game Boy when yeah. I was 11. <laughs> that was my first own video game. Oh, so good. God. When I was in middle school, this is a video game thing real quick. When I was in middle school, I had this, I had this rich friend and I went to this, I went to this, I was a scholarship kid at this private school where all the kids were rich, right? Mm-hmm. And I had this Game Boy that I bought myself with with like a year's worth of birthday and Christmas money that yeah. I didn't even really like because I was only had Tetris and Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle. <laughs> <laughs> and I, all I wanted was my own video game machine. Yeah. You know? And eventually when I was like 13, I bought myself a Genesis. Nice. But when I was in seventh grade... This kid and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name. Say it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his name because it was sweet of him if misguided. For my birthday, gave me his unwanted Atari Lynx. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I had to call every electronic store, be like, How trying much to this? find one that still carried elect- uh, Atari Link. Like the Atari Links failed within a matter of nine months. Yeah. Wow. So there was like it was like one of the chains carried like four Links games. Yeah. And I had to figure out which one it was and like go to the Stonestown Mall <laughs> in San Francisco <laughs> to get. The, to get California games or whatever. I had clacks. That was what I had. Clacks. Clacks. It's like, here, I got you a burden. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, great. <laughs> oh, God. Number four. What one aspect of video game life do you wish was true in real life? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. There you go. What are the primary aspects of video game life? there's no consequences for murder. <laughs> yeah, that's a big consequence-free murder is a very big one that nobody has said. It just says a lot about you. No. <laughs> Video games in The Purge have a lot in common. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I like if I can give you the frank answer, it is that, um, you know, and I know I just talked a lot of shit about this as an impulse, but like... The, Games have rules and life doesn't. <laughs> yeah, there you go. A little more of a track to be on so yeah. that you could master it. And like while I'm a while I'm a definitely a weirdo, I'm a rule follower generally. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, I mean there certainly is a part of me that uh, that wishes that there was a linear relationship between figuring out the rules yep. and mastering them and Getting the good at life. In life. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to be able to master life intellectually, yeah. which is that makes sense to me. Yeah, damn. And sexually, we're talking about Congress once again. So I've bringing done it one back. out of two, <laughs> bringing it back. Yeah. And final question, question five: Is Sling Blade here? Question five: uh, If heaven exists, no, uh, I'm not here. <laughs> I've, I've never seen Sling Blade. I don't know. I can vague I tell you something? Memories. That was perfect. That was spot on. Spot on. Question five: If um, if heaven exists, completely original. What would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome, James Lambton. <laughs> 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 he mistakes you for he James I'm a different bald interviewer. <laughs> with great facial hair. I'm the one with no notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. This has been Final Five. Now it's time for our final thing, which is two things. Final last thing. So first thing. What would you so like? many things. On so this many show. things. <laughs> what would you like to plug? Mm-hmm. And secondly, and more importantly, where's your favorite place to eat? Doesn't have to be in LA. Doesn't. It could be literally anywhere, anywhere in the world. We had actually a listener go all the way to Tokyo and eat at a restaurant that one of our guests actually recommended. Shout out to Finicky Fox. Finicky Fox, thank you so much. Um, okay, so here. Okay, the, what was the first question? <laughs> what would you like to plug? <laughs> what would you like to plug? In okay, so um, in so I do you know I do serious interviews of. Uh, artists, both serious and less serious, mm-hmm. on my NPR show Bullseye, um, that are mostly about the creative process, and I make crude jokes with my video game enthusiast friend Jordan <laughs> on my comedy show Jordan Jesse Go. Um, and we talked about Judge John Hodgman, but we just on uh, on the network that I own, where we're sitting right now, uh, Maximum Fun. We just put a ton of work and resources into a new show called Bubble. I see yeah. it right out there. Um, and it is a it is a scripted an eight episode scripted comedy that is in the vein of a maybe Buffy the Vampire Slayer with slightly more jokes, yep. um, slightly harder jokes maybe. Uh, in that it is like it's about a group of cool young people who live in a bubble that 
is literal. Yeah. So like it's like the <laughs> if you imagine the the bubble of Portland, Oregon or Brooklyn, New York or whatever. Literally a dome over yeah, it. It so is actually the comedy version of the dome. Yeah. yeah. And and it and it's kind of about like what a nightmare it is to try and maintain your position in that kind of false paradise. Yeah. Um, and it is like a real action sci-fi show, but yep. it is also super funny, and uh, it stars some really brilliant people, including uh, Keith Powell from Thirty Rock and Cristela Alonso, who's one of the funniest stand-ups out there, and uh, Mike Mitchell, who's mm -hmm. a podcast celebrity from the Doughboys, and was also on Love on uh, Netflix and in The Birthday Boys on IFC, and lots of other really, I mean, guest stars Judy Greer and Rob Corddry and everyone. Like literally, Jordan, who created the show, wrote a part for uh, a hologram of Lisa Loeb. <laughs> and I was like, Jordan, could you not have just written hologram of a singer? And then no, I could have Loeb. made a list of singers we might be able to get in touch no, with. Lisa Loeb. No, it's important that it's Lisa Loeb. And guess who agreed to be Oh, in that's show. awesome. That is fantastic. That's so good. And guess who I've had a crush on since I was 11. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think fans of this, I, I think fans of this show, um, and just kind of like crazy alternate worlds um, and great jokes would really yeah. love, would really love Bubble. And it's eight episodes. Um, it's it's tight. It's fast. You can go, uh, you know, check out some fucking cool ass fan art people have been making <laughs> and stuff. Like it is a I'm. I had very little creative input into it, and I'm <laughs> ex extraordinarily proud of it. Like, that's, awesome. I think that's it's awesome. really a cool special thing. Hey guys, check out Bubble. Do it. Thing number two, my favorite restaurant. Favorite place to eat in all, all the world. world. All the world. Well, you know, I am from the Mission District of San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, and so the thing that most symbolizes home and emotional stability to Which me- Which burrito is it going to be? Is a burrito, right? <laughs> um, but it's it's crazy to say this out loud, but like- um, so, you know, the story of my life since I was 15 mm -hmm. is the kind of destruction by gentrification of my home. Yeah. And, um, now in many ways it's unrecognizable, but I, for many years would go to, uh, this taqueria that I had just basically, it was the, it, it I don't, it, not that it was the greatest one. Mm -hmm. It was just the one that was by my house, yeah. uh, called El Taco Loco. And, um, it was, it was, um, the corner of 29th and Mission Streets in San Francisco. And like a year ago, uh, the entire block burned down. Oh, my God. In a um, basically a gentrification related fire. Wow. Like, an, like a combination insurance fire slash get rid of the tenants fire. Good God. Um, and it, uh, it so it no longer exists oh my God, that's in so a sad. literal sense. So instead I will choose, I, I now live in Los Angeles and have for about 10 years. And there's a restaurant by my house uh, called La Beja, okay. which is just a regular Mexican is restaurant. One, is that the one that got burned down last week? Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's just a regular Mexican restaurant. It's a sit-down kind of family restaurant. It's very, very modest. Mm -hmm. um, it's known, when when we used to do the show, at when we used to do Jordan Jesse Go at my house, Jordan would always say that he would remember to turn left when he got to the Mexican Three Stooges. Because uh, <laughs> the, the owner of the restaurant really loves the Three Stooges, That's and so there funny. is a giant, like, out wall-sized uh, like mural, mural of yeah. the Three Stooges. 
um, on the outside, but they're clearly Mexican. That's really funny. At least Latino. Yeah. Um, <laughs> simply because I guess like the the muralist probably mostly was painting like Aztec warriors yeah. on the outside of <laughs> of, uh, of restaurants, but um, oh my god, that's it's funny. just like like it's just the food is great, and it's owned by a couple who are also you know they they are always there. Um, and their son and their son's partner come in on the weekends. And it's like uh, when you have kids, you realize how important it is to have a place that sincerely values family yeah. and community. And it's just the kind of place that it, it is... You know, Los Angeles, here's a stunning insight from a person transplanted to Los Angeles. Los Angeles can sometimes be alienated. <laughs> um, Go on. Yeah, but like it's just a true neighborhood restaurant and I literally eat there probably on average 1.2 times a week. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a place where they – Anytime I'm in there without my kids, they ask after my kids. And yeah. They, anytime I'm in there with the with my kids, they ask after my mother, who's been in there with me. <laughs> like it's just a it's just a really it's a family oriented. It's place. just a really wonderful place, and um and it's also like a place where I can take my whole family of five and like walk out forty dollars poor. You yeah. Know? That's awesome. Um. So it's just a, you know it's like for all the. Momofukus of the world yeah. with pyrotechnic food, which I also enjoy and everything. Um, like that is the place that I've. Uh, it just it's a it's a home feeling. Yeah. That, uh, in some ways, I thought I had lost it from the place that I was from. Yeah. That I identified identified very very deeply with the place I was from, and to have it lost was a. Wait for it, trauma. Yep. Um, and so to have a place like that that truly feels like home, where I have feel like I have an emotional relationship with it, is really special. That's awesome, man. You guys heard it here. Everybody go there and ruin it for Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, the old Yogi Berra line? Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Firewatch. Jesse, thank you so much yeah, for Jesse. letting us come here and do the show. It's That's how you end every That's episode. How we end it. <laughs> Guys, Firewatch. We don't even we don't even change the name of the game. We say Firewatch every no. time. This it's is been the first great time it's talking to sense. you guys about Tower Man. Yep, <laughs> about Overwatch, Tower Man, and Sea Man. Mm -hmm. But yeah, go check out Firewatch. It's usually on sale. It's not an expensive game. You get it on Steam. You get it on PlayStation Store. I think it's on Xbox. I'm not certain, but yeah. go check yeah. it out. And go check it out. Check out Baseball Stars for the Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball Stars Two is great too. It's not that different though. Don't put it. Uh, don't play it on airplanes. You'll get migraines. Don't do it. But yeah. other than that, you're good to go. Also, if you're tensing up, and you're playing games. Be self-aware of that and try yeah, to relax. relax. Get relax, yourself a biofeedback machine. Yeah, that's all we ask. Is, <laughs> it, is that your famous catchphrase? Relax, baby. Relax, baby. Get yourself a biomechanic machine. Come on, baby. <laughs> anyway, Jesse, Jesse, Keith, Jesse again. Uh, <laughs> this has been New Players Joy. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Question eight. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah! <laughs> Question nine, in which national park is Can I be clear? I'm a married man. I am not actually down with OPP.